This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su And it is World AIDS Day today and this year's theme is Equalize, one word that serves to remind us of the inequalities which continue to perpetuate the AIDS epidemic globally. But if we want to end AIDS as a public health threat here in Malaysia, those gaps will have to be closed. So how do we do that? I'm joined today by Raymond Tai, Acting Chief Operating Officer at PT Foundation, to find out how we can improve access to tests and treatments for high-risk communities and most importantly end the stigmatization of people living with HIV. Thank you so much for joining me today Raymond. Very happy to be here Sue Ann. Thanks for inviting me and happy World AIDS Day. Happy World AIDS Day to our listeners as well. So I want to start with some statistics right. What are the latest numbers that we have on the uh, people living with HIV in the country? Okay, um, overall, generally, the good news is that all, all around the world is declining, mm-hmm. and that's the same situation in Malaysia. So, as of uh, last year, uh, the total number of HIV people is less than 70,000, cumulative, yeah? Uh, but the good news is that every new every year, the new infection is declining. Mm-hmm. So, the new infection rates for last year is 2,760, yeah? So, it's been coming down uh, gradually the last few years. Uh, but uh, if you look at it in terms of a trend, uh, it is at best plateau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we had a decline from 2002 onwards, uh, but that decline has plateaued since 2009. Yeah, so I like to maybe we can go on a bit more about what's the reasons behind those decline. Mm. I noted when I was reading about this that globally, um, we have a more or less one-to-one ratio between men and women living with HIV. But interestingly, here in Malaysia, that ratio is skewed towards men. Could you help to put that into perspective? You know, why is that the case here in Malaysia? Sure, I guess uh, one thing to understand is the uh, epi- the the epidemiological trend in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the the, the epidemic that we have in Malaysia will be cons- considered as a concentrated epidemic mm-hmm. versus a general epidemic. So countries with just a general epidemic will be countries like in Africa, in many parts of Asia. So uh, in cases where there's a general epidemic, there is already a HIV prevalence of about 5% in the entire population of the country. Mm. Uh, that happens uh, when the infection rate is not controlled when it's its early stages. So in Malaysia, we're fortunate that that hasn't happened yet. So we're what we call a concentrated epidemic, whereby the infection rate is highest among key populations. Some populations as high as 20%, right? But in terms of general population, it's less than 1%. So we're not at that stage of epidemic yet. So as a result of that, you find that the key populations in Malaysia used to be inject, injecting drug users. And in Malaysia, most injecting drug users and, are men, very few are women. Uh, and now the new infection, the, the, the key infection uh, is on among men who have sex with men. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the rate, if you look at it total, it is very skewed towards men. All right? uh, but we need to keep track because mm-hmm. very easily it can spread to the woman as well if it is sexual transmission. So that's why our work towards key population is going to be so important in the coming years. Mm. You mentioned, Raymond, that we are seeing a plateau now. Um, 
broadly then, how would you describe how we're doing in addressing HIV AIDS, especially in the past decade? Is that plateau a good sign or can we do better to make it a decline? Uh, I think generally overall, uh, Malaysia has been doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the uh, WHO and UNAs has looked up to Malaysia uh, because we were very successful in bringing down the infection rate among in- injecting drug users. Mm-hmm. So like I said, when uh, HIV started off in Malaysia, it was very much focused on injecting drug users. Uh, infection was through the sharing of contaminated needles among drug users. Uh, but Malaysia took action very early on to address uh, infection among drug users. Mm-hmm. They took on bold measures that the NGOs has been advocating for, such as providing clean needles for every drug user on the street. So it was a wonderful program, national program that was collaborated to get with the Ministry of Health, Malaysian AIDS Council and NGOs like PT Foundation. So we have the task of identifying where these key populations are. We provided them with clean needles. We took back their own used needles so that uh, contamination doesn't happen. The other thing that the Ministry of Health did very well was that they introduced a methadone program. Mm -hmm. So people who are addicted to heroin were provided free methadone. So they were queuing up at selected assigned clinics, government, government clinics, to, pro- to be provided with methadone. And methadone don't have a withdrawal effect. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, uh, they live very uh, productive lives. They were, once, they were able to go back to work again. Uh, they didn't have the craving that they had, but they have to be on methadone. So because of these programs, uh, uh, about more than 10 years ago, mm-hmm. our, our infection rate among drug users was about 80% of all new infections. Right, and only twenty percent was sexual transmission. So we were so successful in doing that that the newly infections amount injecting drug user is now only at three percent. Wow! And guess what's the other ninety six percent on is all on sexual transmission. So while we've done a very good job of uh, uh, amount injecting drug users, we have failed, I would say, uh, in terms of tackling sexual transmission. Uh, and that's where the new infection is for the last uh, 10 years in Malaysia. That's where it is. Mm. So then why are we seeing that plateau in, in new cases, right? Is it because our efforts are still focused on harm reduction and not uh, addressing sexual transmission? Uh, the effect takes place a few years later after you start implementing things. Mm-hmm. So uh, the good thing is that I think the Minister of Health is aware of what's happening and they have ex- started an extensive program again with Malaysian AIDS Council and the NGOs like PT Foundation to provide a, a, a very ex- holistic, comprehensive program targeting key populations of men who have sex with men, providing uh, friendly clinics mm-hmm. and we trying to encourage these key populations to get tested and get treated. So that program has been around for probably six years now, and it's being expanded. Uh, and we're seeing, hopefully, we're seeing, we're seeing encouraging signs that that transmission is slowing down. Uh, but it could be because the last three years is of COVID uh, lockdown. So we're, we're not quite sure yet. Yeah, uh, But the more fundamental, I, I think, uh, learning that we can get from here is that uh, HIV 
like WHO say, can be eradicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the ways, we have the technology, the research, and the medication to do that. So, right. So, uh, there are evidence around the world to show what we need to do. And while Malaysia uh, followed those evidence when we came to injecting drug users, we did not do that for sexual transmission. So, in fact, we did the opposite. Uh, with sexual transmission, uh, you need to provide the information, you need to provide accurate, relevant information to the population at large and to key populations as well. So in terms of sex education in schools, for example, when was the last time people had comprehensive, relevant sex information in schools? Mm -hmm. And even if you do have it, uh, where is that information on the spectrum of gender and sexual orientation? Because if you don't talk about those things, you cannot talk about uh, how to do pre- prevention for contraception, prevention for HIV infection. You need to be able to address that comprehensively. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done that kind of uh, education in schools, but more so, uh, we became more moralistic in the way the government approached this whole issue about sexual, about sex in, in general, right? So, uh, and unfortunately, those who populations, minority populations like uh, uh, LGBT populations, they were the ones who got a lot of flack. And because of that, a lot of these populations went underground. Mm-hmm. And when they're underground, you can't reach them. They're not provided with access to information. To proper information, they don't get it. But online, in the internet, in the whole internet world, they're getting access to a lot of other information that might be dangerous. Mm, you don't know how accurate right. that information uh, yeah, is, yeah. right? Correct. And, and of course, pornography is big time in, in, in the internet. And pornography gives you a very false illusion of what sex is, how to protect yourself. So what we NGOs need to do is really to counter that by providing more accurate, relevant information. But to do that, you need to be able to address that these populations exist, mm-hmm. they, uh, that we do not judge against them, but we provide them with enough information so that they can make informed decisions. Mm. That we have not been able to do very well the last 10, 20 years, but we are trying very hard to do that at the moment. Mm. Prevention is key and you can have all the best prevention methods available, but if you're not communicating that to the target population, then there's no point in, in that, isn't it? That's that gap right there. Yeah, so so that's why this year's theme on HIV is so relevant, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's about equitable access. It's about equality. Uh, and for a long time, uh, there has not been equitable access in many ways, in terms of prevention, in terms of testing, in terms of treatment, right? So we're not talking about equal access here, we're talking about equitable access. Mm-hmm. So while our government clinics would accept anybody else, but is it safe for key populations who are marginalised and stigmatised, is it safe for them to come to these clinics to get tested, right? So I think those are things that we have been trying to work with the Ministry of Health on and we are seeing encouraging signs that uh, the Ministry of Health recognises this now. Mm. Let's talk about testing for a bit. I understand we're doing fairly well when it comes to testing, but what are the gaps or barriers that you still see? Is it down to that stigma that you, that you were talking about? Yes, it is very much so. Uh, I think uh, generally if you ask somebody to get tested for HIV, you 
uh, either get a surprise or maybe people actually get insulted as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many people don't even go for HIV testing because either they're misinformed or they feel stigmatized to mm-hmm. go for testing, right? Because uh, they feel that if I go for testing, people will think that I'm having sex, or I'm having promiscuous sex, I'm sleeping around, that kind of thing. So they, uh, they don't want to project that. Uh, and testing has to be something that is very private and confidential. Uh, and in NGO circles, we prefer it to be anonymous as well. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, anonymous HIV test is difficult to access. Uh, through NGOs like us, we provide it anonymously mm-hmm. uh, so that people don't feel that they will be judged if they come for testing that way. So, so yeah, if we can uh, make testing less judgmental, uh, that would really help. In Malaysia, though, what has been really encouraging uh, is that government clinics provide free testing, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, this is not all, all countries provide free testing. In Malaysia, we have universal health care, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and testing is provided free. Uh, but sometimes I think it's difficult to access, and a lot of it is due to the stigma attached to testing. Mm. You know, having been working in this field for quite a while, Raymond, how much have you seen stigmatization of people living with HIV change over the years? You know, have we done enough to progress? Um, you know, or are there still misconceptions that you hear from the public? It's getting better now. I, I think uh, when the early days in the 80s and 90s when we were doing, when we were doing HIV AIDS work, it mm-hmm. was really bad because people that were very misinformed in, in uh, judge, uh, information that if you have HIV, you're in a death sentence and you're waiting to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and worse still is that if you, think, if you have HIV, you're going to spread it to all of us. If the air you breathe and the utensils you use and the sharing of anything, obviously all that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today, I think uh, most people know that it's not the, tru- not, not, not the case. So in that sense, we, we are... Uh, we're doing better than that before. Uh, but there are a lot of other uh, ways that PLHIVs are stigmatized today. Generally, uh, although... So, so one, thing, one, one thing that a lot of people don't know is that if you are a person living with HIV mm-hmm. and you are already on treatment mm-hmm. uh, for like more than six months, you will reach a status where your HIV is undetectable in your body, in your system. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it is at that stage, when it's undete- undetectable, it means that the virus is no longer in, uh, is in such small quantities in your body that you cannot spread the virus to anybody else. Mm. So not only that you will lead normal, healthy life, but you are not able to transmit the virus to anybody else, even if you had unprotected sex. So that is why uh, WHO is saying that if we can get everybody on treatment, we can end AIDS. Because if they are on treatment, they cannot spread the virus to somebody else. There won't be any new new infections. So that uh, is, is not really well known yet among people. And because of that, uh, people with HIV are very... Uh, they don't share that, that status with other people because the moment you share that you're HIV positive, you're people look in the fun, Yeah, you're stigmatized. Uh, and this is even worse because uh, many companies still require you to do HIV tests. And if you get tested positive for HIV, you either uh, you, you don't get the interview continued, mm-hmm. you don't get jo- job offer, you don't get job promotions, 
uh, if you apply for scholarships or university admissions, you might not get admi admitted. All of that doesn't make sense at all because uh, having HIV in your virus, virus in the body, it's just a virus in the body. If you're on treatment, you are totally normal and healthy than anybody else. So what we are really trying to do is to address all this stigma faced by people with HIV, but it's difficult. Uh, yeah, people are very judgmental most of the time. Mm. We've done, we've made a lot of strides, but there the remains a lot more work to be done, isn't it? Um, we'll go for a quick break now, Raymond, and continue this discussion when we come back. I want to dive into access to treatments as well um, and whether Malaysia is on track to reach the goals that have been set by the World Health Organization. I'm joined today by Raymond Tai, Acting Chief Operating Officer for PT Foundation, and he is joining me today in conjunction with World AIDS Day. Um, and we are discussing this year's theme of equalizing, of ensuring equitable access for everyone li living with HIV. We'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. In the studio with me today is Raymond Tai, Acting Chief Operating Officer for PT Foundation. And he is joining me today in conjunction with World AIDS Day. Now, before the break, we have been talking about Malaysia's progress in the past few decades when it comes to addressing the AIDS epidemic in the country, as well as where we've done well, particularly when it comes to harm reduction to people um, who inject drugs and how we have still more, much, much, more to do when it comes to addressing um, the sexual transmission aspect of HIV. Um, earlier before the break, Raymond, we were talking about the stigmatization that people living with HIV face in the country. And I want to touch on that a bit more. How much of a concern is the impact of stigma from healthcare workers? Because that's something that we've seen crop up from time to time. Okay, I think, again, uh, kudos to the Minister of Health. Uh, I, they have done a pretty good job in providing training uh, to uh, healthcare workers, mm -hmm. both the, the doctors, the nurses, the medical officers, the counsellors. But so, so the challenge, though, is that there are thousands of government clinics mm -hmm. and they cannot train everyone, right? So what we have done is to work with... Work, and Ministry of Health has worked with us to select what we call community-friendly clinics. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have done a lot of effort to provide uh, really a lot of uh, information as well as uh, information sensitizing people about uh, key populations. So today in, in these community-friendly clinics, uh, you have very uh, professional staff uh, whereby that kind of uh, access is, is, is very, very friendly, confidential, uh, and there is a lot of respect to key populations like uh, men or sex and men, transgender, sex workers, right? Uh, but you, that, as I mentioned, it's only uh, segments of the key population, segments of the healthcare that is trained. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you go into any government clinics, you have to go through different, different levels. You get through the front desk, you go through the reception. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the, the more rural or far-reaching those government clinics are, the those are the ones that are really left off from a lot of the training. Mm -hmm. So that's where a lot more stigma is happening. So stigma among healthcare workers is still there uh, it's getting less uh, and but we're doing something about it mm. 
what we're more concerned here is overall social society stigma because the society stigma is affecting stigma in the family. Mm. Uh, it's affecting, uh, and that stigma uh, translate into internalized stigma for people from key populations and people living with HIV. Mm. So it's internalized stigma that is preventing people from testing, and when they test positive, it's preventing people from treatment. Mm. And if you address the population-wide stigma, you in you would indirectly address the stigma among healthcare workers as well, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's in some societies uh, there is no no problem at all. Yeah, because healthcare workers are part of so society. Exactly. And they 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 in. They they getting this message, this stigma thing from society, right? So if yeah, you're right. So if 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 there is no stigma in the com in the society at large, then or it is reduced stigma, then we'll be doing a much greater job. Hmm. How can people find out where these community um, friendly um, clinics are? Is there is there sort of a resource? Uh, yes, uh, I. I believe there are over 50 clinics that are trained to be uh, providing those sort of friendly services. I think the best thing is to go Google online to look for Malaysian AIDS Council or to look at PT Foundation, mm -hmm. speak to any of our outreach workers or send in your inquiries on WhatsApp mm -hmm. or Instagram or on email, on Facebook. There's so many different ways you can reach them. And you can just ask where the nearest clinic to where you are either located, residing, mm -hmm. and those information is available. All right. So let's move on to treatment, um, Raymond. How well are we doing when it comes to treating people who are living with HIV? So again, we are fortunate in Malaysia because uh, since 2000 and I think it's around late 2000, 2009 onwards, hit treatment has been provided for free in Malaysia. Uh, so that has been game changer mm. for the country. Uh, previously, uh, treatment wasn't available in the 80s and the 90s. And when treatment was available, it was just too expensive. It cost about 2,000 ringgit to 3,000 ringgit a month. Mm -hmm. A full salary of somebody, right? Yes. So compared to today, uh, if you're positive and you go to government clinics, it's actually provided for free. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, fortunate for most Malaysians. But there are populations that are left out from that. Populations like migrant workers, refugees, undocumented uh, people, they cannot get access to government uh, healthcare. Mm, they would have to pay, isn't they it? They have to pay, and that's still a problem for them. It's getting better, though. It's no longer two, 3000 a month. Today, we have generic medication, mm -hmm. and generic medication has brought the cost down to less than 10%. So for about 140 to 160 ringgit, you can get a month's supply of medication. Uh, and... The, but the only problem is, of course, in, with HIV treatment, you have you take it for life. Mm -hmm. So it, it adds up to quite a bit. Mm. So when it comes to the adherence aspect, right, is that a challenge for most people living with HIV? Uh, yes, that's why support and care is so important. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody, right, Any anybody, if you ask people to take a certain medication every day, take or a pill a day for the entire life, can be a challenging situation, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I mean, for people who are stable and have care and support, that and that applies to a lot of people, most other people, they don't have a problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, in our, our lifetime, we, we go through many different uh, episodes and uh, ups and downs. 
So all it takes is for us to deal with some uh, turbulence in our life, loss of loved ones, loss of self-esteem, loss of a job, uh, addiction to, uh, to, to drugs. Any of this could trigger a, uh, a, a response whereby you, you, you stop giving, you, you give up on everything, including your HIV medicine. So, so that is something that we, we want to avoid. So that's why uh, at PT Foundation and other NGOs on the ground, we have a continuous support and care program for people living with HIV. So we find that people who have got care and support, either from NGOs or from family, they tend to perform better. What does that support look like? Uh, it could just be a hotline. Uh, it could be uh, a link to a Facebook group on, on whereby there are other people that you will also link up to. It can also be a support group, physical support group or a Zoom meeting support group. So it takes many different forms. Mm, just essentially just having someone to speak to, to share exactly. about, right? Yes. I was reading the Ministry of Health's um, Global AIDS Monitoring 2021 Progress Report. It says that our access to treatment is only 58% out of those who have been diagnosed with HIV. How does that impact the transmission and the spread of HIV, considering that um, a lot of them wouldn't have their virus levels suppressed to the undetectable level that you were talking about earlier? Uh, yes, so that... Second indicator, so uh, the, the, there is a global indicator to end AIDS mm -hmm. and the target set is 90% who are HIV positive, know the status. 90% mm -hmm. of those who are tested positive are access to treatment and 90% of those who are access to treatment continue on treatment so that they are virally suppressed. So if we do all three, we should be able to end AIDS uh, in Malaysia and around the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, in Malaysia, while we do quite well on the first and the third uh, 1990s, uh, but the second one, which is the uh, being accessed, we were HIV positive, accessing the treatment. treatment. We uh, only got a score of 58% at the mm -hmm. moment. And that uh, that is alarming uh, because, like we mentioned, if you're not on treatment, you will eventually uh, succumb to the virus infecting, taking over your body and then your immunity will be so low, you'll start getting co-infections yep. and those co-infections are what kill you, yep. right? So what we want to do is to get as many of them to be on treatment, uh, but we don't have enough data to understand why are not, so, not so many people are, are linked to treatment. Even though treatment is free, we would expect it to be higher, right? My own suspicion would be that many people who are tested positive, you can get tested positive uh, like through blood donations and the sort of thing because mm. when you go to donate blood, they, they, they tell you, right? Yes. Or you could be a private clinic. Uh, there could be anywhere you can get tested. Mm -hmm. And the challenge we have is that many of these people, when they get tested positive, they might not feel confident enough or they feel ready to go for treatment because they might feel that if I go for treatment, people will know I'm HIV positive or that uh, if they are living at home, if they are married, they have wives and all that, they don't want to be bringing medication back to the family. And they might think that the family members might know. We don't. There are so many different reasons why people don't uh, continue on treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we so what we have been trying to do is to have this whole team of healthcare work, community healthcare workers out there to really provide uh, anonymous testing to people. And when they test positive, we tell them everything they need to know 
uh, including that treatment is free and it is effective, that if you don't take treatment as soon as possible, you will eventually develop AIDS. That treatment is confidential, is friendly, uh, and we will we actually accompany the person with HIV to the clinic mm. and all of that. So uh, this has this this service has helped a lot, uh, but it is manpower intensive and is only available in key cities like Kuala Lumpur and uh, other big cities. Mm. But the more rural you are. That's where I think a lot of the challenge is. Mm. As when it comes to manpower, unfortunately, a lot of the rural areas um, suffer from the lack of it, right? Y- yes, yes. Uh, looking at the whole Sabah and Sarawak, while mm. there are uh, NGOs in key cities in KK and Kuching. They can't reach everyone. You can't reach everyone. So that's where I think the challenge is. Mm. Do you think that the space to decentralise further with the current systems to empower a lot more individuals and NGOs to take on that role because KKM is also overstretched? Uh, Yes, I think, again, the internet has been an equaliser in a sense. So a lot of information is accessible online. Uh, and now, uh, what is uh, what the Ministry of Health is encouraging is not is not implemented yet. But mm-hmm. we're looking at self testing, mm. right? So self testing kits that are endorsed by the Ministry of Health will be coming on stream pretty soon. I'm hoping by next year. And with self testing kits, you can actually just order one delivered to your home. You can get tested, and there was link to websites to give you information about what happens with test negative, what happens with test positive. So that information is available. But it does take a certain level of literacy uh, and, and motivation to do it. internet connectivity as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so while, while that is good, uh, it's not, again, it's not reaching out to everyone. Mm. It's sort of doing what you can to plug in the gaps that you can see at the moment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then I guess, you know, having worked with this community for so long, Raymond, what do you also hear from them in terms of what they want to change or what they want to improve so that we can also tackle that societal stigma? Some of the things that we are working on is very difficult, but uh, it's very long term as well. Uh, so we have been collaborating with the Ministry of Health to provide uh, less judgmental in the, in the areas of law, for example, mm. law, uh, insurance policies, employment policies of companies. So these are uh, low-hanging fruits to go for, uh, but not as easy to implement. So there is, for example, under Malaysian AIDS Council, there mm. is already a Malaysian Business Consortium whereby they... So a lot of the big boys are there, Petronas, AirAsia, uh, uh, Shell, all these companies that are HSBC, Citibank. Mm-hmm. So in these big companies, they they have uh, HR people who are educated, who knows what it is about, and they have very friendly employment policies. Uh, but that mu- that information is not going out well fast enough. Uh, we are trying to change the employment law, for example. Now there is a guideline. Mm-hmm. The guideline's been out for more than 15 years already. Oh, wow. And the guidelines are very comprehensive. It tells you about uh, why it doesn't make sense for you to uh, discriminate against someone who's living with HIV. What can you do as an employer, all that. But because it is not enacted into law yet, 
uh, it isn't something that is enforceable. So we still get um, many complaints of people losing their jobs or not going forward their interviews because of the HIV status. So those those can be done. Insurance policy is another one. We have been uh, in discussion again, led by Malaysian AIDS Council or that and Malaysian AIDS Foundation, to uh, to educate insurance companies about that what. The, the insurance policy at the moment is very archaic. Mm-hmm. They're still looking at if you are HIV positive, you cannot be providing a policy, uh, insurance policy, and if you, you need to disclose status and that sort of things. So it is preventing a lot of people who are HIV positive from actually getting insurance coverage. Mm. Uh, so so that is, there is, again, no, no, no reason to, because people living HIV on treatment is just totally normal and healthy. Mm. Yeah. So So these are some of the uh, the key areas that PLHIV are looking for. The other area uh, is more difficult is societal discrimination and stigma. Uh, that has to be something that uh, NGOs have to work with governments uh, and the government, different ministries to really br- bring down stigma. Uh, unfortunately, currently, uh, that's not the case. I mean, Ministry of Health could be a lot more, a lot more enlightened, but the other ministries are still having very judgmental policies at the moment. Mm. And when you talk about things like employment, you know, that, that's where you see how other ministries also play an important role, right? For example, the Ministry of Human Resources, they can work hand in hand with the Ministry of Health to address things like this as well. Exactly, yes. Mm. What is uh, also uh, being done is to really work with the Ministry of Religious religious Affairs because they, they have been uh, different interpretations. People always say that, oh, my religion forbid this and that sort of thing. But in actual fact, when you talk to people in Jakim and all that, uh, for them, there is there should never be any discrimination against people with living with HIV. Uh, but what is very encouraging at the moment is that uh, we are also trying to work with Jakim and other ministries to also uh, not just provide non-discrimination after infection happens, but mm-hmm. before infection happens. That means to provide access to protection, Pre- prevention, right? And that area is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still a lot of judgment in there. There's still a lot of moral and religious things about you cannot do this, you cannot do that. Uh, but uh, prevention uh, is the... Prevention is better than treatment, right? It is. So uh, if you if you can get people to 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 take responsibility for their whatever sex they commit they they're doing, by either using a condom, by having uh, staying faithful to one partner, by having uh, by taking pre exposure prophylaxis or prep, all these are very effective measures. But the information is not really going out because there is still a lot of judgment because it is in the whole area of sex. Mm. Um, so then if we look forward, Raymond, you know, you brought up the targets um, set by UNAIDS earlier. Now, previously, they set a 1990-90 target, which is um, 90% of all people living with HIV to know the HIV status, and then 90% of those diagnosed to get um, antiretroviral therapy, and then 90% of those um, to achieve viral suppression. Now, Malaysia had unfortunately failed to meet that target. Um, we were at 87, 58, 85 at the end of 2020. Like you said, we weren't doing so well in the middle one. 
one. Um, now UN AIDS has set a more ambitious target of 95, 95, 95 by 2030. That's, that's right. less than eight. That's only about seven years away. Do you think that's achievable for Malaysia? It's never too late. Mm -hmm. uh, so even if we don't achieve it, but there is no harm to aim for it, right? So uh, it's, it's not a magical figure anyway. Of mm -hmm. course, the higher you can achieve it, the better. the better and slower your rate of transmission would be, right? So while we are hoping that 2030 would be when we can end AIDS, but even if we don't end it there, it's not the end of the story. Uh, the work continue. But obviously, uh, if there are more resources put up front to, to tackle this, uh, resources in terms of uh, uh, more, more, more effective drugs, mm. uh, a much more concerted effort at uh, providing uh, prevention campaigns like PrEP campaigns, uh, then we could end AIDS earlier. So that's work in progress at the moment. Hmm. Do you think we take AIDS um, seriously enough as a public health threat? Yeah, uh, because there's so many other issues to deal with, right? And in the last three years, it's mm. always been COVID-19. Uh, so uh, it's unfortunately been taken a bit of a backseat. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's no longer... Uh, the sort of hot topic that it used to be 10, 15 years ago, mm. right? It's a bit of a stale thing. And the worry is that people say, oh, it's already declining anyway. So why spend so much time, resources on it? Mm. Uh, so to them, I would say, on the contrary, that's why you need to, because you need to get that momentum going. Because if, yes. you, if you give up now, HIV will come back again. You know, you don't want to have a, another another peak coming up again. Uh, we are plateauing at the moment. We should drive that uh, that trend downwards. Mm. And to round up our discussion, Raymond, would you have a final takeaway message for listeners in conjunction with World AIDS Day? <laughs> uh, I guess for everyone here is to really uh, be open-minded about... Uh, more than just HIV, open-minded about sex, right? I mean, we're talking to young young people today and they are a lot more expressive. They are on the internet all the time. So to actually try to censor or suppress information from them is not the way to go. Uh, it's to have healthy discussions, parents having healthy discussions, the children, teachers doing the same thing, the Minister of Health, the Minister of Education coming with very... Uh, guidelines that provide uh, reproductive health education. I think if every one of us do our role, mm -hmm. uh, we will be on the way to end AIDS. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Raymond. Thank you so much. I've been speaking to Raymond Tai, Acting Chief Operating Officer of PT Foundation in conjunction with World AIDS Day today. I'm Lim Suen and this has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.